commandments. Jesus answered him, the Pharisees who were trying to trip him up, Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. And for several months now, we've been talking about the presence of God, loving Jesus with all your heart. If you're not on the live close text, Grace, do you think you can find the image, if you can't, that's fine, of it's in uh, uh, the RC specific about how to sign up for the Live Close text. If you can't, fine. If you can get it, put it up there. But um, we've been talking about that. So that is the number one theme. I'm going to give you two trends that are really happening in the body of Christ that, that are, are following Holy Spirit. Let's put it that way. The first one is this, learning to love the God with all your heart. That's really, when we talk about the presence of God, that's what we're talking about, going after Him with all your heart. How many of you have, just take a little side trip here, how many of you experienced, when you started saying, Jesus, I want to walk with you 24-7 in your presence, He starts dealing with your heart. Because it all ties in, don't forget your first love. Your first love is tied to your heart. And so the reason he's been dealing with your heart is because we've allowed things to come into our heart that keep us from loving him first. And so he goes, will you give this up? Will you give that up? Will you go, will you change this? Will you change that? Why is he doing that? Because our heart is not big enough for him to live in. And so he is directing us and moving with our heart to empty it so that more of him can come in. Now, he'll allow you to love other things as time goes along, but um, um, he wants to be first, your first love. You can have a second love, third love, fourth love. This should be your wife or husband, your kids. It can even be a hobby, but it can't be first. And so that is what we've been talking a lot about. And that's what we're going after. And we will pick up probably the first part of January. I forgot the announcements. Uh, this is important, so let me come back to it in just about 30 seconds. But um, the love the love, God is going to be a huge theme here, the presence of God. It's all that. But today, I want to talk about the second commandment. Before I do that, I need to do the announcements. We'll be here next week, the 17th. The last two Sundays of this year, we will not be here. One is Christmas Eve. And one is New Year's Eve. I don't want to be here by myself. How many of you are going to show up on Christmas Eve? We're not talking, because we meet on Sunday night. We're not talking Sunday morning. I know there'll be a lot of churches may meet Sunday morning, but how many am I going to meet Sunday night on Christmas Eve? So, unless I wanted to fast and pray by myself. So, maybe a few of you hardcore people will be here. But the 24th, we will not be here. And the 31st, New Year's Eve. you think anybody's going to show up on New Year's Eve? Probably not. So, we'll take those two Sundays off. Relax. Have fun. Have a good time. Have a great Christmas Eve. A lot of families celebrate Christmas then. Um, and then New Year's Eve, go to whatever parties, fireworks that you can find around town. If they're good fireworks, invite me and I'll join you. Most likely. And so, uh, so anyway, so I just really felt impressed of the Lord. So we've been talking a lot about this huge movement going back to Jesus, learning to love Him with all your heart. I mean, we was going over and over again. But I really felt Him say, talk a little bit. I guess the plan is this week, next week, who knows, is the second, uh, Matthew 22, 39. The second commandment is this. Y'all know this. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. All of Moses' teachings and the prophets depend on these two commandments. 
And so I just want to talk about it a little bit because in parallel, we've got this whole move back to Jesus, which sounds like every church should be doing that. And every person should be doing that. But I'm telling you, it is further away than you think it is. We'll do all this stuff around Jesus. As Sean said in the prophetic gathering at 530, he said, my theology is Jesus. Don't fight me with your doctrinal statements. There's a lot there, and we do have a doctrinal statement, but you get my point. And so, but there is a second huge movement that is, that he is going to do in the church. And that is, um, well, let me read this. John 13.35 goes along with the second commandment. John 13.35. Everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for each other. If y'all could put that up, up there, John 13.35. Everyone will know that you are my disciples because of your love for each other. So, what's the characteristic of a disciple? We are wholehearted after God. How will other people know that we, because we'll love each other? So I want to explore this a little bit. This is basic, simple Christianity that I think a lot of times we miss. The world needs a family. I mean, it's just, it's just a fact. The world needs a family. And the world, I believe, wants relationship. I was talking with Brian Cooper this week. We were eating lunch on Friday, eating ramen noodles. How many of you have ever had true ramen? There's a good place at the mill. It's the only place in Dalton that even does it that I know of. There's only a couple places in Chattanooga. It's at that Infinity Tea. I'm giving them my advertisement. But anyway, if you want ramen, go over there. And we were eating ramen. And he was talking about a couple that he knows that's looking for what we have here, and it's all about relationship, about the politics, about the theology, that's in a wrong way. But they won't come, I think, probably because they don't believe that it's actually here. You know, that's what you say, but that's what every church says. And so I get it, but, but it wants true relationship. It wants fellowship. Why? Because you are created in God's image. And part of the image of God is unity among the Trinity. Trinity, unity. They have different roles. They have different personalities. But they all get along and they flow together. And so even a a crowd that is this small, we're going to have different roles, obviously different personalities. But if we can start learning, and this is what I'm going to talk about today, probably more next week, As we start learning how to flow in unity and community, unity is not agreement in doctrine. Unity is not agreement in politics. There's some relatives in my... I'm very ultra-conservative politically, basically a libertarian. If you don't know what that is, you can go Google it. But it makes Republicans look liberal, okay? And so that's... It is what it is. It's, I'm not saying it's God. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying that's what it is. And then I have some relatives that are very left-wing, almost woke. But we still got to get along. We just don't talk about those things. But we'll still eat dinner together and hang out together. And that is the most important point. Not that we agree on politics, but we agree you're created in the image of God and I'm going to flow with you and maybe you're right. I don't think so in this case, but maybe you're right. 
And it's the same thing with doctrine. Now, there are some base doctrines about how you get saved. Okay? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, if you got a relative that's into another religion, Hindu, whatever, you can agree to disagree, but you can still walk in unity if you make the value of the relationship more important than your agreement. That doesn't mean you're giving in. It's just the way it is. And so the world... I mean, this is what the Bible says. They will know you're my disciples because of your love for each other. What is one of the major things that I hear, maybe not that you hear, I don't go to church anymore. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, first of all, you're a hypocrite. We're all hypocrites to some degree. Did you leave your work because your boss, your bosses are hypocrites? No, because you needed the money. So what they did is they rose to a higher level and said, I need the money, I'm going to stay. The whole world's a hypocrite. What does that mean? We don't always do what we say that we are. But as in the church, we're going to get better at this. Some of the reasons we're hypocrites is because the church forces us to act and behave a certain way that is not the way we really are to be accepted. I love what Chris Valentin said. I'm going to do the opposite. But... Uh, um, most churches or most groups, it's not just churches. It's businesses. It's clubs. It's whatever. To You need to believe the way we believe before you belong. And Jesus Christ is very different. He says, you belong because you believe in Me. Belong, and then over time... As we read the Word and get good in the Word, we'll start changing our beliefs. But you, I've got uh, uh, many kids. Can't even think how many i got right now. i got many kids. They belong, why? Because they were born into my family, not because they passed a belief test. You're not getting in unless you're libertarian. And when you're not, you're out of here. And you can get the parallels. We do the same thing. I disagree with them on things. You disagree with them on things. But you still belong. And the more we believe, the better. The more we have things to talk about besides just the weather. But this is a big deal. And the Lord is going to start bringing us to a place. I'm not saying get loosey-goosey in our doctrine. I'm just saying it's going to be impossible. Churches have tried it. Uh, clubs have tried it. Companies have tried it. To get everybody to believe the same. Uh, I don't think anybody from my company will ever listen to this, but my company is leftist, it's woke, it's got these slack channels of all these weird sexual deviant behaviors. Okay, whatever. I get to program and I get money. So, when I talk to them, what I do? I talk about programming. I don't talk about furry, the furry channel or the query channel. Or whatever, these are legit channels. If you don't know what they are, go Google it. You'd probably be better off if you don't know. They sent me a book, big old fat book. I appreciate their heart. It's called Belonging. How to feel like you're a part of something. How to belong to the company. I mean, it's probably a $25 hardback book. They sent it to everybody in the company. It's like 350 people. I appreciate their heart, but I'm like, I belong. I've got a bunch of people that are my friends, and I'm not trying to... To go out, find you a good church, good club or something, and you're going to find out it belong. That's how you do it. And so, but either way, and so churches, there's a certain part of this mentality we have to, to, uh, move into. 
And it will appeal to the world to say, I belong to Jesus. These are my brothers and sisters. Even if I totally disagree, they're going to still accept me, maybe not my beliefs. There's an art to that. You can love somebody and not believe the same way. But there's this huge movement. This is why God's setting up the United States of America. There's this huge movement that if you don't believe the way they want you to believe, they will censor you, they will kick you out, you will lose your job. That's another reason I don't talk about it. And so, you you know, the whole DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion movement. Just be quiet. Be a great software programmer or whatever you're doing. And and just win them because you're accepting them. Their beliefs will change when they get to know Jesus, not because you're forcing them on it. But there's, he's setting up the whole world. The, to, the, the movement that says we're intolerant is the most intolerant movement. Their unity, listen to me carefully, their unity is based on conformity. God's unity is based on diversity. And as we... I mean, we're doing a good job here. As we get better and better and, and get more across, it was cool three weeks ago when Northwest was here and Martin's Church was here. It was cool last week when Ramon was here. As we get more unity across greater diversity, across equity, I mean, across race, across economic platforms, it will make a statement and it'll be a, a, a bright light against this other totalitarian, fascist, Nazi system. It really is. And so, God's setting us up. Going, you mean I can be in a group and I don't have to agree with their group and they still like me? Well, maybe, depending on how you get across, but we'll love you. (laughs) Everybody's on their phone Googling that. It's a phrase, man. (laughs) I'm not a member of that Slack channel. If y'all know Slack, I'm not a member of that channel. I didn't sign up for it. There was a workshop last week that a lot of these workshops are optional, but it went out as a general mailing. I sent it to Brian and asked him sarcastically if I should go. It was a workshop on how to properly use pronouns of people. And I sent it to him going, I'm wondering, should I go to this workshop? (laughs) I am way off the target, but well, no, not really. So the world is going away from this. Everything now, I'm on a roll. Y'all all right? So much for my notes, but it's it's the truth. The whole world, everybody's racist. Everybody. Ron, you're black. You're racist. I'm white. I'm racist. Nobody's not racist. We have created such division based on all these characteristics that we cannot even change that are qualifications to be a part of the tribe. You know what the answer for racism is? It's real simple. We are just all created in God's image. And don't even talk about it. Yes, I know Ron's black and he knows I'm white. But it really doesn't matter. We can still talk about the Lord. We can still talk about His dreams. We can still talk about where He's going. He was sharing to me today. And the more you emphasize, especially immutable all of you that didn't go to public school, especially if you emphasize immutable characteristics. I'm on a roll. Forgive me, Lord. (laughs) That means non-changing characteristics. The more you emphasize immutable characteristics as a difference, what? I can't help it that I'm white and was born in the South. 
I can't, cha- I can't do it. Now, I can change my character. That's something that's worth looking into, and the Bible can do it. But, um, but as we model this, racism is going to be solved in the church. As we get together in many churches like we did last week, and Ramon's up here preaching and doing things, and people just come in. We don't even talk about it. Why? Because it's not a big deal. It's how God made us. We're all created in God's image. He made us different ways. Emphasize that and move on. Emphasize what you can change. I have said enough. Let's move on. Um, I love Romans 13.8. If you can put that up there. If not, no biggie. Um, So as we move forward, I'm telling you, this is going to be a powerful statement to the world. You see why we need it. I, I went off and... Talked about all this stuff, which I don't regret, but it was, I'm telling you, he's setting this up. The whole world's moving that way. And I'm telling you, very few people like it. Have you found anybody that's emphasizing all that stuff that are actually happy? Is this too harsh? I mean, they've usually got this edge to them of just say something to upset me so I can call you whatever. Have you noticed that? I can't wait. Just, I'm waiting for something to trigger me. Well, I'm 63, an old man guy. I don't care anymore. I'll trigger you. Because <laughs> I just want to expose you. I'm at peace. You're not. Who's winning here, okay? <laughs> I don't advise you to do that. But <laughs> Romans 13, 8. I mean, you got to live Christianity in your life, okay? You know, we take ourselves way too seriously. Romans 13, 8. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, look at this. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. There's a lot of law out there. Just love them with all your heart. Love your neighbors the best that you know how. Now, the thing is, um, as I said a couple weeks ago in one of these prophetic gatherings on Friday, Friday I said, we will go further as a family together than we can as an individual. Tonight was awesome. We had lots of different visions, dreams, words, prayers on basically a counterattack, especially in the area of religious spirit. And I didn't know all these people were getting it. So it confirms to me I can hear. We need each other to know I'm not crazy. And it also shows us, okay, I am a part of something bigger. I love what Dan McCollum said. This is what I said a couple weeks ago, another thing. There are some enemies you cannot take down without community. Another good one. I know you all have heard this before, but I like repeating it. Don't become a lone ranger. You will become a weird stranger. He's mostly talking about the prophetic and the prophet. Why? Because... If you've getting all this stuff and you don't have anybody to help judge it, like 1 Corinthians 14 says, and bouncing off, you're going to become weird. You're going to become strange because you're a lone ranger. I love it. Um, <clears throat> how many? Of you, I've, do, you, do you realize I have over, like, not near as many as some of you, but I got like 1,200 friends. Did you know that? That's after ditching 600 of them. I don't know any of them hardly. And so I say that because what happens is, is I used to never accept, but 
One of the last trips when I went to the Dominican Republic, I got like 20 people down there asking me to be friends, and I'd always just say no. Cause, but then the Lord said, they're going to think, anyway, I, I don't know if it's the Lord, it's probably just me. Thinking, okay, they're going to think you're arrogant and you can't touch the people. So now I say yes to everybody. Huh? That was the Lord. This is the gift of mercy over here. Help it out. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And so, you see where I'm going with this. The world has redefined friendship. Friendship is this. We all need people around us. And it can't be 1,200. It's more like maybe 12. That you can call them at 2 a.m. When, when you're depressed or discouraged or even suicidal or your car just broke down on the side of the road and you need somebody to come help you. We need those friends. But I am finding more and more, most of America, it's not so much in the church, they don't have anybody like that. And that really breaks my heart. They may have 2,200 friends. But unless, you know, and so... Have as many friends as you want on Facebook, but friends is the wrong word. Those are some kind of connections, okay? Uh, and I'm not saying it's bad because I've got 1,200 of them. Some people's got thousands. I don't, who's got more than 1,200 in here? Just Oh, about half of you, man. So there you go. I'm a loser. I need to go out there and start working. Did you know for like 24 bucks you can get 10,000 friends? I think it, the last time I checked, it was like 24 bucks. Seriously. Now, I imagine most of them are bots. But 24 bucks. And then I could go, I've got 11,200 friends. i got 10,000 friends that say I'm my, my wall. And so, man, this, this night I should have just gone something else. But, so I don't have any problem. That, that's a true story. You go out there and go, you can get them for Instagram, you can get them Facebook, you can go Google, and you can buy friends. <laughs> but there's a, there's a level of friendship that God, the level that, fr- that the friendship is in the, the Trinity, the level of the friendship that Jesus had for His twelve disciples, He's wanting to do with us and us to do with each other. And that's revolutionary. That makes life worth living. Anxiety is off the scale. We're the most medicated nation on earth. If you're taking medicine, don't get mad at me because I take medicine for type 2 diabetes. I'm just saying. Okay, but we're the most medicated on the planet. I think some of this, of the anxiety and the loneliness, is, is we're the most interconnected people on, ever in history. But we're also the most lonely people as a general rule, maybe not in this room. Because we've been told the wrong things. And the wrong thing is first, get absorbed with Jesus Christ. And then find your tribe. Now you can't be friends, even with this many in this room. You can know all of us and we can get closer. But there should be five to maybe fifteen, maybe ten is a good number, where you're you're spending time with them. One of the things that I found helped is you've got to have face-to-face time. We stopped small groups here recently, except for moms, which is awesome. And that was from the Lord. Somewhere we'll pick that back up again under His direction. But you've got to have face-to-face time. Maybe it could be FaceTime or Zoom or something. But it's got to be face-to-face, because that's where you read 
people's body language. That's where you go to deeper conversations. So I just want to challenge you. Each person has different schedules. But make a point to once a week or once every two weeks or I have or three times a week or whatever it is to say, I'm going to connect with this person. Can we go get coffee after work? Or if you have a flexible schedule like mine, can we get lunch during the week? And it's, it's not necessarily be heavy revies, but those are the times that you start to get to know each other. Well, you go, and this is what I've said this a lot, and I've done it in my own life, and the Lord just blasted me out of the water. I don't have time. And he goes, oh, you've got time for other things besides the second commandment. And it's true. So what I have to do, I have to be ruthless and go, all this other stuff may be important, but it's not on the level of the second commandment. Just schedule it, and then whatever falls by the wayside is probably not as important. But it will be replaced with something that's irreplaceable. So I'll just challenge you practically, put down, who is the Lord laying on my heart to get together with regularly? Maybe you can't physically get together with them all the time, but at least start maybe do a FaceTime if you're on Apple. I don't know what it's called on Android, but there's something equivalent. WhatsApp video, whatever it is, in Messenger video. There's a bunch of ways. Or even, you'd be surprised. This is where I'm going to tell you a secret. So if you get a text from me this week, don't think you're just on automation robot. Or if you don't get one, don't think you're left out. Every morning, this is my deal, before I start work, I spend 10 minutes going, Lord, who do you want me to text to encourage this week? And it's usually just three or four people. Maybe you all need encouragement, but those are the only ones that comes to my mind. And so I'll just text them. You'll be amazed how powerful that is. How many of you have gotten a text just as simple as this? The Lord brought you to my mind this week, and I'm thinking about you. Man, you want to walk on cloud nine half the time. And it might be right in the middle of fighting some depression or discouragement or anxiety. And you, you, um, um, that just is enough going, okay, the Lord hasn't forgotten about me. And this person hasn't forgotten about me. Well, Craig, why do you do it every Monday? It's on my schedule. It pops up on my to-do list. Why? Because I'm the type of person that will fill my entire life every single minute with something. And usually it's not the most important. I've started having, I have to do this, it's going to sound silly, but I'm trying to, if it helps you, fine. If not, whatever. If you're not a type A choleric personality driven like me, then you can just go, what's wrong with that dude? And you can pray for me because there's probably something wrong with me. Some, some people are much more laid back and much more balanced than I am. You know, everybody's sort of bent towards people or projects. I mean, do you all know what I mean? I am bent towards projects. Projects without people are even better. So how in the world did I become a pastor? God has a great sense of humor. What? So how? Yeah, that's right. Or painting. Brian told me yet today he was painting. I'm like, my God, I'd almost rather walk on hot coals than have to paint. I painted most of this building once or twice. And I am burned out on painting. But anyway, how many of you are people person? You live to be around people. I mean, that's maybe a third of you. So is the rest of you projects? How many of you are projects men? Okay. 
So then my illustrations to help you. People, you just go, thank God I wasn't made that way. God had mercy on my soul. But I schedule every Monday you do the text. I won't tell you everything else, but I schedule people. My wife's going, my wife's raising her hand. I want to get more on that calendar. I am not on that calendar enough. <laughs> you let your wife's die. And so it's not that I don't like people. It's not that I don't like, I'm just bent towards what do we got to do today. And I love it. Somebody asked me what my hobby was. I'm like, church work. What's wrong with you? It's fun. I enjoy doing it. It's, it's a hobby. It's not, it's like playing golf or something. And they're going, you need deliverance. And they're probably right. <laughs> All right, where do we go from here? I'm just having a good time sharing with you. I have no idea when I started. I usually look at my watch. <clears throat> so, t- turn over to a fascinating verse, Acts 24, 14. I can't remember if all versions use the same word, but the NIV does. Acts 24.14. This is what I want to say. Well, let me read the verse and we'll come back. Give you some history of Christianity. However, I admit that I worship the God. So this is the writer of Acts. However, I admit that I worship the God of our ancestors. She's speaking to Christians. As a follower of the way. Historically, one of the names of Christianity was they're a part of the way. That's sort of a cool name. Mandalorian Disney stole it. If any of you ever watched Mandalorian Disney, I'm just telling too many stories about me. If you're part of the Mandalorian, you have to take a uh, test, a verbal oath, and at the end they go, this is the way. Now wouldn't it be cool, us as Christians... As we love one another, and you look at Acts, they fed one another, they made sure nobody starved, they looked at their needs, they put them up, and they go, why are you guys so weird? It even says here at the end, they were called a sect. A sect. S-E-C-T. And you go, this is just the way. That's cool, isn't it? You mean just loving it? This is the way. That sounds like the Mandalorians. Yeah, they stole it. Because this was written 2,000 years ago. And Christianity was known in history. If you go back and read Acts and then read other books, they were known as a corporate, wide religion. Not an individual religion. And I've just mentioned some of the reasons. But in the Reformation, where which was a good thing, but a lot of things weren't good. But in the Reformation, it became an individualistic religion, and in America took it to a whole nother level. The West took it to a whole nother level. Because we tied the, our economic capitalistic engine to Christianity. You know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, be an entrepreneur and all this stuff. Which that's really, I mean there's some principles there, but it's really sort of a lie. Nobody's ever built anything of much value, much money, did it by themselves. I mean, go ask Mark Zuckerberg, who I just made fun of his friends. You know, he's got probably, I don't know how many, he's probably maybe 100,000 employees, I don't know. And so, um, tens of thousands anyway. So we shifted from a corporate, 
that they were known that if you join them, it's not just about become, if you became a Christian, it's not just about knowing Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and your salvation. I've got to become a part of the way. You never hear that, do you? You're going to get saved, and these people in your room, you're committed to them at different levels, your brothers and sisters, or I don't like them. That's one reason you're saved, is to figure out the power of gospel will help love them. Let me ask you guys over here from a place called Hope, because you all live closer together than anybody except men, and well, families live close together. But y'all live, how many times have y'all always just, I've been picking on Ron, so I'll pick on him. So Ron, how many times have you felt just, you know, warm and fuzzy towards Garrett in the back? Have you, have you always felt warm and fuzzy towards Garrett? He's saying yes, you better say yes. Okay, so we won't mention any other names, because we don't want to have to have counseling after this. But would you say there's other times it's been a challenge that you didn't feel warm and fuzzy towards somebody? <laughs> yeah, challenge is putting it mildly. But see, that's where we need one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, love, patience, self-control, whatever it may be. You need love, but you may need self-control because you want to hit them. We've all had, well, I've had those relatives. Maybe nobody else is like, if you don't shut up. <laughs> But as you push through that, you grow and mature. You are becoming a part of the way or Christians. And people come to you after the family reunion. How did you not belt that guy? I was praying in tongues to the Holy Spirit. Well, they go, I don't believe in tongues. I'm a traditional Christian. If you, if you had somebody like that, you'd learn to speak in tongues. Amen. All right. <laughs> I have no idea where, when I started. Does anybody realize, remember when I started? I don't want to bore you to death. All right, I think this is good. We got next week and maybe in January, we're going to talk about some of the benefits of community, some of the characteristics of community, some things to walk through, but we set the stage, set the vision. But I'm telling you, the world needs it. Amen. <laughs> Pray, define what? Friend. So, I don't know how to define friend, but this is how I live my life. I'm going to give you another secret. And it's the same way Jesus did. Jesus had 12 disciples. But you can see through that, of course, he loved all 12. But you can see through that, Peter, James, and John was a deeper community. Three out of the twelve. And then you see one of them he called the Beloved, which was John. And he let John, maybe the others could have, but the Bible talks about John was so close, he put his head on his chest. Now, I'm not secure enough as a man to have another man put his head on his chest, but I'm getting there. Come on, Ron. We'll do it after this, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) so there's a principle there you even see it in a church principles of three so you've got a group here and then there's a community of a smaller group that you know pretty well maybe go out to eat you've been around them and then there's a core that you know you can call them at 2 a.m. I think it's always going to be that way so that you've got to 
If you don't have any friends, you need to get in a group somewhere. You know, a church or a club or something. And out of that, you'll start feeling an affinity. And then out of that, there'll be two, three, four close friends. And so, I don't know how you define friends, but it's those, because the world's all messed up. But I define it three level one, level two, level three. Level one's the closest. Level two is, you know, there's a potential there. And then level three, I've seen you somewhere. And, um, and I think that's biblical. I mean, Jesus even did that. Not that he had favorites, but for some reason he connected more with other people. So I didn't answer your question, but I'll let you, you can do that assignment and come back later. Friends, is, there's a lot of words in the American language now that mean almost nothing. They've been so messed up and so, huh? Love. I mean, love, I, I was, I was counseling, they don't go here, so don't look around. I was counseling a young couple and they were like, we're just not in love anymore. And they'd only been together like three months. They probably were, probably were never in love. They're probably just chemical infatuation. But either way, I'm like, why? Well, I just don't feel it anymore and that whole thing. And then when I explained the Bible, love has nothing to do with feelings. It's 1 Corinthians 13, those, all those It did not work. It did not get through. They were so indoctrinated. It was like, and I'm like, okay, this is not a teachable moment. They'll have to go figure it out. But uh, love is so much. And there's three words, love. Actually, in the Greek, there's three words for love. Uh, you know, uh, intimacy love with your spouse, uh, a love with friends, and then a general love. But we just give it all one love. But So, yeah, there's words all messed up. That's why we need to become disciples and read his word and redefine. You look like you want to say something. You're just soaking it in. There you go. That's a good one. I didn't think of that. Yeah, back row back there, yeah. I'm done, so if y'all got any comments or questions, we'll do this for a few minutes. tell you this as a project person and you know I know this and and I've actually changed a lot of my ways but on my deathbed which will happen every one of you will be on your deathbed one day it's actually good to think about death not in a morbid way but how do I want to remember my life when I look back on my deathbed because if you have regrets then it's too late what, so I challenge you all to think about the last two, three days before you're dying. What, 
when you look back over your life, it's, is it something that you're proud of? Is it something you focused on? Is it something in a good way? I, I know it sounds morbid, but it's actually, at least for me, centering. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this thing. Paul, ten years before he died in Acts 10, he says, I'm gonna run the race, I'm gonna keep the faith, I'm gonna do what I need to do. He knew then what he wanted to be doing at the end of his life, and at the end of his life he says, I have kept the faith. But he had to have known ten years before what he, he was doing. And so in a good way, think about it. Because you're not really dying, you're just transitioning to a different outlook and a different perspective. And so the point is this, I doubt anybody, I mean I've not talked to everybody, but I doubt very few people on their deathbed goes, I wish I'd stayed at work ten more hours a week. I wish I had bought the 14th car. I wish I'd gotten a house of another thousand square feet. I wish I'd slept with 48 more women. I wish I had gotten drunk more often. Almost all of them are going to look back, and I guarantee you, you're going to think about because I had a death experience three years ago. Some of you have heard about that. Uh, most people are going to look back and go, I wish I'd spent more time and put my wife on the calendar more. All right. It's yes, not too late. I wish I had had made amends with this person. If you can. Sometimes you can't. I'm telling you, it's all going to be about relationships because that's who we are in the end. And um, that doesn't mean you can maybe make reconciliation, but at least you've done your part. I tell you, when when I guarantee you, I'm going to die before most of you because I'm older than most of you, unless you die young. And then, Lord, I hope that doesn't happen. But most of you, when you're going to get to heaven, you're right, Craig. But use it. Look back on death in a good way, not... That you're dying is go, what is my legacy here? Is my grandkids going to go, that was just a selfish SOB? I'm glad he's gone. Now you think I'm kidding? I had a grandmother when she died. We were all glad she was gone. That is the truth. She's dead, so it doesn't matter. Because wherever she's at, I guess she's in heaven, she's going to know what I think, right? She already knows. I'm being blunt, but it's good. That's how you break a religious spirit. You just cut through the crap. Now, Brian does it because he was a mercy pastor person. But everybody else was like, whew, don't be that person, man. Everybody good? <laughs> they're all thinking about death now. And they're all wanting to rear. But it's the truth, isn't it? We don't want to be that person. We want to be a person that when we pass on, they're going to go, we lost something. A part of my life has got a hole now. In a good way. I better stop. <laughs> but you'll never forget most of this message tonight. <laughs> well, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for all these people. And I just thank you, Lord, that we're on a path to love you and to love others. Loving you will change our life and loving others will change the world. And I just pray blessings upon them. I pray they hear you clearer than they've ever had before. I pray they grow in maturity and sensitivity of hearing your voice more than they ever had before. In Jesus' name, love you guys. Amen.